This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 214 on a Thursday night, April the 6th, 2023. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill. Give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. All right, gentlemen, we got a lot to get to here. It's We're going to be going probably once a week from, from here on out until uh, down the stretch of baseball season leading up to the SEC tournament. We'll probably start doing a couple a week, but uh, starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm here. We got Gordon Sargent at the, at the Masters. We'll talk about that. Black and gold spring game on Saturday. Uh, Quint Malora Brown has entered the transfer portal. We're going to talk about that. Maybe the most uh, most heated discussion point today. And bear with me. I've got a nasty cough. <laughs> uh, Malik Dia to Belmont. Jordan Wright to LSU. So we got, guys, it's portal season. It is portal season. We're talking about <laughs> the guys leaving. And we got to talk about who's who the hell's coming in for Vanderbilt. Uh, another sweep for the Andy boys. Uh, business as usual. They're actually playing Missouri game one right now as we speak. Uh, our eyes are going to be glued to uh, TV, so we, we got to focus in here, get dialed for uh, for this episode. We'll talk about the rest of this series. You'll be hearing this on Friday morning with uh, this game already over, so that'll be the funny part of this. But, uh, guys, how are we doing? we got a lot to get to. Well, I, it's weird when, when football's over, basketball's over, and the dust sort of settles, and we're in that, like, right in the middle of baseball where we're just waiting. We're, we're waiting on transfer portal news. <laughs> Yeah, this is always the fun the fun time of the year for this podcast. This is the third time that we've gone through this odd time of the year where we've covered <laughs> baseball. I mean, we yeah. we've kept up and and kept people informed with what's going on with the Vandy boys. But it changes from casually covering Vanderbilt baseball to that is the main focus of this podcast and we hit the ground running. Right now, Trevor's not even looking at me or you. He's got his <laughs> eyes just glued on Vanderbilt Missouri game I 1. I am listening. But it will, it will be nice to shift our focus to a program under Tim Corbin that only experienced two losses in the entire month of March. I mean, this team is rolling. And so it's it's always nice this time of year to go away 
from basketball and football and have our eyes set on this Vanderbilt program and, and the success that they have seen early in SEC play starting out 9-0. and I'm sure we'll get to this uh, more and more, and I'm curious to hear your guys' takes on, on what this team is doing and what they'll continue to do uh, as I continue to watch more and more and continue to get more we into go. this Vanderbilt baseball season. So, Trevor, <laughs> I know you were very engaged uh, in the sweep over Georgia this past weekend. What was the key to Vanderbilt's uh, victory <laughs> over Georgia this weekend? I'm sorry. I just heard them screaming and I thought we hit a dong, but it just turns we struck out. So, yeah. <laughs> Is that your Luke, term for home runs? Dong. Dong. Door dongs, dong. Yeah. That's way. like, dude, somebody I just had to like, say that. That's well. how you can, that's how you know Trevor played baseball right there. That's like, people have like asked me before and they're like, yo, is this like a set? Like, are you making a joke? And I'm like, no. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's like, different just, terms. You got dong, yeah. you got tater, dong, you got, you tater. Got, uh, if you're a Reds fan, Reds fans call home run funk blasts. So oh, that's, that's uh, dinger. I mean, there's an entire Twitter page called Would It Dong to where it takes like it takes home runs hit in other ballparks. And it's like in how many major league ballparks would this also be a home Ooh. run? So this is so it's just it is just a baseball term. Um, <laughs> I mean, you were there sort of goal. And, and two, before we get a, before we talk about the Georgia series, um, basketball makes me very sad again. Um, basketball at one point made me very happy. Um, we're to the point back to where Vanderbilt basketball makes me super sad again. <laughs> so we will talk about it more. Um, my sweet, sweet Prince, my engineering King, Quinn Melora Brown has left the Vanderbilt <laughs> Commodores. Um, that, that one hurt. I'm not going to lie, boys. That one hurt. That one um, but as, as, as for baseball, it was, it was, <laughs> a, it was a blustery win. It was a blustery weekend for the, uh, for the Vandy boys. Really, it was actually kind of only Saturday. Um, that was freaking crazy. Hats were blowing everywhere. Like during, during BP dudes, hats were going everywhere. Georgia's pitcher's hat, like flew off his head in the middle of play. <laughs> but I mean, the key that the key to this past weekend was the key that has been um, I'm not going to say all season, but really since the start of SEC play is Vanderbilt has had dominant pitching and the bats have been awesome. Um, Saturday was <sighs> Saturday. They let up more runs than they had previously. Could that be there? I'm sure there were some pitches that Vanderbilt threw that they would like to take back, but a lot of that too, especially that grand slam, um, yeah. and the initial home run that Georgia hit. I mean, like if you weren't at the ball game, I don't know how much they spoke about it on the broadcast, but the wind literally was blowing like straight out. It was flying field. out. Like it yeah. was, it was flying to center field. Like the flags were jutting straight back. Um, so a lot of those balls that typically wouldn't be home runs were home runs. I think I'm probably going to chalk off that grand slam, um, that was given up in the middle of the ball game that, uh, that I think it tied, I think that tied, right? Uh, yeah, that tied, tied it at, ball game. Eight, that, eight, that yeah. tied it at eight, but then Vanderbilt ends up doubling that that yes. total and winning that sixteen to eight. Yeah, so that that just tells you about the like. Okay, you tied it. You tied the game. Let's go double your score now and beat you sixteen to eight. It, it's like the, this team just yeah. has that that it factor that we haven't really seen in a really two to three years. I mean, you, you saw it a little bit in yeah. um, in in twenty twenty one, where you know that team, of course, went on to play Mississippi State in the finals, but. Even then, you know, you you didn't you just didn't see the the plate discipline and the aggressiveness that you're you're used to seeing on a Vanderbilt baseball team. Now I feel like we're no. there. 
I don't think anybody talks about I'm I've seen some people like sort of like reference it, but I mean and and people Vanderbilt for the longest time like literally had the term the Vanderbunt because right, they, yeah. Tim Corbett historically has done a lot of small ball. Um and I mean he's he's even talked about it in post-game pressers or just press conferences in general. Um, I think somebody asked him, like, what has changed to your guys' hitting approach? And he's like, we're just really aggressive early in the count. He's like, that's really all it is. He's like, you're not sitting back trying to maybe jack up the pitcher's pitch count a little bit. But, no, you're being super aggressive early in the count, chasing those fastballs early. Mm -hmm. And it's paying off. I mean, Enrique Bradfield, where the game's going on right now, the first pitch of this Mizzou game, Enrique Bradfield swings, first pitch he gets a double. So mm-hmm. I think that's just uh, – I think that's a lot of the success right now is you just have a team that's very, very aggressive at the plate right now. They're getting good barrels in the zone, um, and they look awesome. And whenever you have pitchers who go out and continually shut teams down, I feel like you as an offense almost have this mentality of, like, we can't lose, if that makes sense. It's just like yeah. if, you see, if you see Owen or if you – I mean – or uh, Bryce Cunningham. Bryce Cunningham right now. Yeah go out and, and, and just throw it heat, then you're like, well, we can't lose. You know what I mean? Because our guy's right. not going to fail. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, this Vandy team, I, we said it last pot. I don't want to jinx them. Um, and, of course, things can change in SEC play. Like, they're going to lose eventually. Like, it's just – it's baseball. Like, that's just what happens. Um, but I don't – I really don't see any weak links on this team. And so, I totally agree. It's – this is a this is a, a very fun Vandy boys team to watch right now. It is. And, and Corbin talked about it before the season. He said, I'm confident in this group. I like this group. I like my team. And, and mm-hmm. you're seeing why he likes his team. So, we're going to yeah. dive into the Vandy boys. We got a lot to get to. We're going to touch on the spring game and what's going on around the spring game. Uh, Quint Malore Brown, of course, might be the big topic. Uh, Trevor's sweet uh, engineering prince. <laughs> it makes me so sad. Uh, what a nickname. So but, sad. Yeah, we'll get into all that and uh, talk a lot of any baseball. And Rhett Wiseman will hop on uh, towards the end of the pod to close it out and uh, catch back up on the Vandy boys. So we'll get to all that. But first, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, we start with Gordon Sargent, the Vanderbilt men's golf amateur at the Masters. I'm not exactly sure how many amateurs are playing in the Masters. It is a select group. There's a guy from Texas A&M right now who I think is like top 10 uh, right now on the leaderboard. So as an amateur, you've got your opportunity, and Gordon Mm -hmm. Sargent is getting it uh, right now. His first shot went 365 feet. So he just he mashed his first shot. And I think he birdied that hole, if I'm not mistaken, as well. It might it was either that hole or the second hole. I'm trying to look for confirmation right now, though. But guys, that's pretty cool. I mean, to have a your first amateur play in the Masters at how old is he? 19, 20? I mean, he he's he's Yo. a he's he's a youngin' going down to Augusta and, and competing. I mean, he that, that's pretty damn cool seeing him on these interviews and, and things like that. So 
I think that's something that we we gloss over sometimes, like when this happens. I know when I was younger, I wouldn't have cared about a, a Vanderbilt amateur golfer in the Masters. But mm-hmm. I think at this point, you know, you see that branding, you see that new logo on a Masters graphic. You know, I, I think little things like that help. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not not every college has this opportunity. And guys, this is the Masters. This isn't just you know the FedEx Waste Management Open or whatever. Yeah, you know, the whatever Waste Management. <laughs> yeah, whatever you know, some of those other tournaments are. This is the Masters, and, and as an amateur, so that's pretty cool. I mean, well, that yeah. I don't I don't know if we're going to be able to say that again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he finished the day five over, shot a seventy. There you go. I was trying to find uh, his score. Yeah, 12, 12 shots behind the first round leader uh, at the masters, uh, and day one, but yeah, you, you mentioned it. The number one thing about this that sticks out to me is the invaluable brand recognition Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you get. Um, the media, the immediate association with Vanderbilt university athletics associated with the kind of quote unquote coolest, uh, golf tournament that there is with by far the most recognition. So, uh, any any media is good media, especially when it's a 19 year old amateur golfer from your university uh, competing yeah. on the biggest stage. That's yeah. always good exposure for your uh, athletic department. And Trevor, that's what helps yeah. this. That's what helps this logo too. You know, we talk yeah. about how is this logo gonna get on the minds of, of fans around the country. Well, this is a mm-hmm. pretty good start at having yeah. it on a, on the Masters graphic and things like that. It's like, I mean, and, and I'm not a big golf guy, all my home, like all my best friends are like huge golf guys. Like they love the masters, like they play. Um, But whenever you think of of just sporting events, like you think of the Super Bowl, you think of the world series, you think of the national title, the masters is right. Is, is one of the most like highly, like, I don't know if coveted is the right word, but like people love going to the masters. Mm -hmm. Like people will like blow out their bank account to go to the masters. And it's just, I think it's even illegal to like, um, I, I don't know what it was. I saw like a post that said it was like illegal to like sell your tickets or something like that. I don't yeah, know there, there's true. a lot of, there's a lot of weird but, stipulations, but there's the like masters. a lot. Well, in, in, in another thing is I, uh, I saw on the, on the VU Commodore's Instagram post that according to golf data, Gordon is the is ranked the number one amateur golfer in the world. And so, yeah, I totally agree. Like whenever you think about putting that logo out there and getting that sort of brand recognition, I mean, the master, and it's going to be on all weekend. It's going to get crazy views. Um, and that's the thing, like it's loved by golf people and it's loved by people who don't even really like care about golf. Like they'll tune in. Like I had it on in the background today while I was at work, just cause I don't know anything about golf, but I was like, well, it's adores it. So I'll turn it on. It's the aesthetic of having the masters on a TV. Like that's, that's what, what, what separates it. It's like, it's like the NCAA tournament, you know? I mean, he also looks like he also looks like the most Vanderbilt kid. Ever. He does. Like he does. they, 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 there was a photo of him and like in his sport coat. And I was like this, like if I could draw some, if you're like, Hey, create, draw, create a Vanderbilt that, athlete, create yeah. a Vanderbilt athlete. Chat GPT. <laughs> that is what him. chat GPT and open AI would create. If you typed in <laughs> yes. Vanderbilt golfer, 19 years old, number one amateur. Gordon or if you just type in just out the other Vanderbilt end. student. <laughs> honestly it's, yeah it's him yes and like guys, the name, like, this the guy name. looks like vanderbilt the name too like your last name is yep. sergeant that's pretty vandy that, that's, or, that's pretty... I mean, that is yeah 
That's pretty I can totally see him just smoking a pipe. Just, I don't know. Just <laughs> after only- he's done golfing, he's like, yeah, he's like, I need to go do my, uh, my trigonometry 4,000 class. <laughs> I'm, I'm only- building a robot for homework. <laughs> If only he was born and raised in like West Mead, like Bellmead area, went to NBA. Oh I, th- I think he's from Georgia. Uh, so he came up from Georgia. But guys, nonetheless, great opportunity for him. I think great branding for Vanderbilt. And we're going to continue. We'll see if he makes the cut. Well, you said he was plus five uh, mm-hmm. right now. So I don't think that gets you to the next day, but we'll see. Probably uh, not. And I mean, that'll get you with Tiger Woods, probably not making the cut either. Although I think Tiger might make the cut, but. So we'll, we'll keep track of it. Uh, Gordon Sargent, see if he uh, is able to continue playing. Going to have to carry me, boys. Got this, this cough is nasty. <laughs> um, all right. Spring game. Black and gold spring game is already in a couple of days. Saturday, 5 o'clock start time at the soccer and lacrosse complex. They're calling it the Plex. Uh, gates for this game. Are and they really? Eddieville. Yeah, I, I saw it on VUCommerce.com. They're calling it what? the Plex. The Plex. <laughs> I, I was like, where is this? I was trying to read where it was, and it said, this will be at the Plex. Like, I've never heard of the Plex. But, uh, but yeah, gates open at 3 o'clock, and fans are encouraged to allow extra time to arrive on campus due to uh, continuing Vandy United projects. So there's a lot going on down there. And I want to talk about that here in a second because yeah. some of those pictures were pretty revealing about what's going on. I mean, the whole like the whole tunnel is is gone. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. So uh, from three to six, Vandyville's open, uh, kid friendly place. I mean, bring your family; it's going to be fun. Uh, Daddy's dogs, McAllister's uh, deli, Colonel's popcorn, Mally's food truck, all kinds of different uh, options for fans. Guys, this is going to be cool because it's a tight knit area and it's going to be an up close and personal type of experience where I don't know that any other school can give this. Now, obviously you don't want to have your spring game at a soccer and lacrosse complex, but as coach Lee did in his press conference, he looked at the positives and said, yeah, this is going to be an up close and personal event. You're going to get to see our players, you know, five, 10 feet away. Uh, It'll be cool for any kids that want to go. Um, But I guess I'll start with, I mean, I haven't been keeping up with spring ball a whole lot, but I'm me personally, I'm going, I'm looking forward to seeing chemistry between the quarterbacks and receivers, mainly AJ Swan and Will Shepard, just to see how, how, how sharp they are and how, you know, how much they've improved and how much they've been working because you can see like when you're up and personally, you can see that. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to NFL spring training practices, but um, not spring training, fall camp, whatever, but you know, OTAs. you see, yeah, OTAs. You see how how they've been working. It's like, okay, these guys have chemistry. I'm looking forward to that, Will, and looking at, okay, Swan to Shep or Swan to, um, you know, Gamarion Carter. Uh, you know, just seeing – and the freshmen, too. I think a lot of freshmen that are already here. So, I know it's early, but this will be a, a really good up-close-and-personal look at this team in, in, in year three where they should look bigger. They, they should look stronger. They should look faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Billy, you were having some technical difficulties uh, getting logged into uh, Zoom for this <laughs> episode of the Door Report. But before, during those technical difficulties, me and uh, Trevor were talking, and we were discussing the unstoppability that could potentially be AJ Swan to Will Shepard, and kind of connected to that is having Quincy Skinner Jr. on the other side and having two legitimate outside threats at receiver and Will Shepard and Quincy Skinner Jr. and you have and having McGowan in there as the slot guy. Forgot about McGowan. It's it's hard not to have 
just a little bit of remembrance of what Chris Boyd and Jordan Matthews were able to do in black and gold and having two threats on the outside like that. You really have not seen that on a Vanderbilt team. Mm-mm. I mean, you had Kalijah, Trent Sherfield, but really the dominant outside receiver threats and two of them. That is something that I cannot get over, keep hitting on. But going into the spring training, we know, or or spring practice, we know the offensive line is solid. We know quarterback play, pretty solid. We know receiver play should be solid. The odd part of this Vanderbilt football team is the positions that are up in there are tight end and running back. And we are very used to, as Vanderbilt fans, having those positions, specifically running back, kind of hammered down, ready to go. We know what to expect. Uh, and the skill and the skill positions on the outside and the offensive line it's kind of reversed we're going now. In questioning yeah mm-hmm. about 95 percent of the time and th- and it's completely flip-flopped so going into spring practice i think this offense is going to be almost 100 percent based around especially early on uh, as they're continuing to kind of grow with tight end transfers coming in as this roster continues to develop i think it's mostly going to be uh that passing game that we're going to see because yeah. That's where you're seeing the carryover. I mean, it, where at who right now besides Patrick Smith is in that backfield? Chase got, Gillespie, uh, Chase Gillespie, Chase Gillespie, Dylan Betts, uh, Cedric. That's a thin, thin yeah. backfield There's, right now. Yeah, for Vanderbilt. Unproven. And going it going into last year, it was the complete opposite. You had Rocco Griffin, Ray Davis, Patrick Smith, Gillespie. You pretty much had a a spoil of riches mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the backfield. And this year is the complete opposite. So seeing how this offense and Clark Lee and the staff are able to adapt, that's going to be something to watch early. And these, these close confines of the spring practice or, or spring game is going to be really interesting. And, and as we've been talking about it, I was on the fence. I, I think I'll be there. I'll be there on Saturday <laughs> watching in person. What you, else you, you guys have gotten me excited. <laughs> exactly. What else am I going to do? Uh, Trevor, where, do you think and what are you going to be watching on the offensive side? I know, I know we've hit on the passing game, but but what's something else that Vanderbilt fans can look at besides uh the Will Shepard AJ Swan connection? So I I sort of have an unfair advantage because I the past two Saturdays I've been at Vanderbilt's open scrimmages at Ensworth. Play by play. So I, uh yeah, I have had a, a little bit of a of a of an insider's look. So I can tell like I can tell you guys the AJ Swan to Will Shepard connection looks really good. I mean, Will mm-hmm. Shepard has made just in the scrimmages, Will Shepard has made some absolutely crazy catches, and AJ Swan has made some really, really good throws to him. I mean, there's been a couple of times to where uh it was it was not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. Um, one play in particular, it wasn't for a touchdown or anything, but they had, I believe they had Will Shepard lined up inside. And he sort of ran this fade to the sideline and AJ Swan dropped it in, but they had Richard on, they had Richard on him Mm -hmm. manned up. And then they had, I think it was Savion Riley at safety and he dropped it right in the breadbasket where only Will could get it. And so I was obviously, which I don't, I mean, anybody who follows Vanderbilt football is going to obviously look for the Will Shepard, um, AJ Swan connection. Um, Quincy Skinner, had a really, really, really good spring or spring scrimmage last week. Um, in the red zone, whenever they do one-on-one drills or two-on-two drills in the red zone, he literally looks unstoppable. 
Um, they put whoever on him in the red zone, and he just he cooks who's ever in front of him. So I watch out for Quincy Skinner. Um, as for the backup position, Ken Seals has played really well. Um, Walter Taylor looks. How about that though? I, I mean, Ken Seals. I, who yeah. would have thought he'd be? And I'm not like I'm not ripping yeah. it at all. But number one, who would have thought he'd still be here? Not me, two, brother. You know, who would have thought we'd be in this position where you have your proven sophomore starting quarterback and what is Ken a fifth year senior now um, as the second string? It's just it's so yeah. weird to me. But I but I mean, Ken had a great interview and Will, I think you quote tweeted this. Uh, I forget who he uh, said this to is I think it might have been Tennessean, but basically Ken said that this is I believe this is the best culture program in the country, like the relationships I've built here. That's why I'm still here. That's why I didn't leave. And I, I just and you hear that all the time. But I think with this program, it's it specifically hits home when you are up close and personal. Like Trev, you might have seen some of this. You know the mm-hmm. the personalities and the relationships and the the chemistry and the connectivity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, being around just Coach Lee and other coaches, like you see it. You know, mm-hmm. so the players see it. They're there every day fans will get to see it on Saturday. It's just, there's something different. And, and will, I yeah. know you talked about that. I know you tweeted about that. It's just, I think to me, that's what I keep thinking about with, with this program and where they're at. It's, it's indefinable what Clark Lee has. It's, let me see if I can explain this. Well, we'll see how this goes. Clark Lee players. You can sense it. Fans can sense it, but there is no next job for Clark Lee. 98% of the boats are coaches, burning. Even, yeah. even, even coaches that are at a traditional blue blood or traditional prestigious program, it's still not the job for them. It's a great job. Let's let's use Josh Heupel at Tennessee, for example. Mm-hmm. Josh, it's a great job for Josh Heupel, but there's really no connection for Josh Heupel. Nebraska. And if Oklahoma opens up, mm-hmm. yeah, out, yeah, because you know, yep. Yep. That's that's if, where his connection is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he's got Oklahoma. That's kind of the Clark Lee. That that's the comparison for Josh right. Heupel to Clark Lee mm-hmm. is that would be like him at Oklahoma. So players can kind of sense that in the culture that he's able to create because it's not fake. There he doesn't have to fake passion for the program. You can feel it with Brian Kelly at LSU. You can feel the fake A family. He, it, yeah, it just oozes out of him. <laughs> this is just what you can take this and connect it to any program in the country, and he's going to have the same speaking points. He's going to talk the same. He's just going to change the color of the jacket that he's wearing. That is not the case for Clark Lee. Now, of course, getting into the different position coaches, whatever, it's always going to be a stepping stone. But to have right. the head coach of a program, it's not a stepping stone. This is where he wants to be. This is where he wants to build a program. And if you could ask Clark Lee, to be completely honest, where do you see yourself in 20 years? I think he would give the answer of coaching Vanderbilt football. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that that truthfully is a very common and honest answer that most college football head coaches can give is that in 20 years, I still want to be and plan to be coaching this program. So you're seeing it all the time with these unfortunate situations of student athletes committing to programs, playing there for a year. And then the head coach is, is like, all right, deuces. 
thanks for committing <laughs> and uh, committing uh -huh. for the next four years to this program, uh, uprooting your whole life, your whole family committing <laughs> to this program. But I got bigger fish to fry. See you later, <laughs> Deion Sanders. Great example. Um, that's something that's not going to happen at Vanderbilt, and that's that's you just you can't even picture that with Clark. Be, like imagine that Clark be taken just... for granted and repeated enough is like that's not going to happen. He can say it in the recruiting pitches. It doesn't even need to be said by staff members doing these recruiting visits, and I'm sure that there will be uh, players there at the spring game. Yeah, but man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, the and the the culture created. I quoted it with the Ken Seals, right? Um, yeah, with the Ken Seals quote. Getting back to what we were talking about, but the other situation going on with Ken is his dad was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer, um, and we've chatted back and forth with Ken's dad, or I have uh, throughout the football season a few different times, um, and so I'm sure that that contributed as well to the culture that Ken was talking about and the flexibility. Yeah that Clark would be able to provide as far as seeing his players as human versus yeah. just different pieces to a, to a recruiting puzzle and a championship puzzle. So that's, that's another part of that for Ken to have the, the unfortunate situation uh, going on. So thoughts and prayers from this podcast no, yeah, uh, to him no and his family as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I did, I did want to mention that because I had seen some, you know, comments on Twitter underneath, underneath where I'd put out that quote from Ken that there are some other, you know, extenuating yeah. circumstances going on there uh, and thoughts and prayers up for him. Yeah, no doubt. From from everybody here at the door report, mm -hmm. thoughts to you, Ken, your dad and your family, um, mm -hmm. you know, and it's you talk about that, Will, and I think that that sort of hits home. You know, we've talked about this before about I would have been surprised if Clark or any, any of the coaches did something really special, whether it was, you know, have the whole team, you know, visit his dad, something like that. I don't know what happened, but you got a feeling something like that happened and Ken went man, I can't leave this. You know, I can't, I can't leave this. So uh, not surprised to hear that at all. Uh, but yeah, definitely prayers up. Uh, but yeah, well, like you were saying, I think you, you mentioned up close and personal. This is your opportunity, Vanderbilt fans, to get an up close and personal experience with this team, see the personalities, mm -hmm. see how they interact with each other. I mean, I'm sure there will be standing room, you know, you could be five feet away from Will Shepard making a catch in the corner of the end zone and <laughs> celebrating with AJ Swan. I mean, it's going to be cool. Um, Guys, they look know, big it, this year. That's that's that, the thing. defensive front looks. I literally so, Darren Agu, and I'll say this too. And Darren Agu, the Ricky Wright lit like he looks like he was like built in a lab. So if you come o to the spring Otara. game, look look at number forty three, the Ricky Wright. Literally, like he has an NFL player body. He really does. He he looks huge. Agu looks huge. Altara looks massive. I mean, even like CJ Taylor, like you you like look at him and you're like, dang, this dude's huge. He's a freak. Um, it's so yeah. It's come out to the spring game. It'll be really fun. I think I think Vandy fans will. I don't mean I I doubt they'll open up the. It's a spring game. I doubt they'll open up the playbook. But yeah, come out. It'll be a really really it'll be a really fun environment. And, not especially yeah. not with you live tweeting, Trev. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're gonna be like that's the reason that the vandy it's not at the practice field but that's the reason the practice field has like the mesh that you can't look through is because they're like this idiot it's trevor hillman's probably watching practice 
Oh man, I, I'll be there. Will 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 be there, and uh, I think Hack Squad is going to be there too. I think my brother and oh. we're going to take some of our little brothers. It's going to be fun. Take your your family if you got little siblings or friends or whatever. Bring them. It's going to be fun uh, for the spring game. Five o'clock start time. The gates open at three, so plenty of time to you know have some fun before. All right, let's get into the beef, guys. Quentin Melora Brown has entered Ugh. the transfer portal. Sadly, uh, unfortunately, uh, this this was a surprise. I mean, especially especially since he said he would be back when speaking to the media at the SEC tournament. I mean, that was a that was sort of a jolt of news in the midst of that run down the stretch of the season, where you're like, man, it can't get better right now. QMB's back. Vandy just beat LSU, I think. You know, we got Kentucky tonight. I mean, vibes were at an all time high. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, a couple weeks later, you don't make the tournament. Quint Malore Brown makes it the sixth player to enter the portal, and all of a sudden, it doesn't look so good. Now, a lot can change. I'm just saying right now, it doesn't look great. Sixth players enter the portal. I mean, is that a lot, guys? I don't in this day and age, is that a lot? I mean, I don't know. That feels I, I think like that leads. Yeah, like I think that leads. I think that leads the SEC. Florida is the next closest at five. I think I saw. So, Noah Shelby, Dia, Thomas, Studi, Wright. And now QMB all out. Um, and, and guys, I know we talked about QMB before. Gritty, gritty player. Uh, only averaged four points and four rebounds a game this year. He's a grad transfer, of course. He was a mechanical engineering master's student. So did that play into this? Did he talk with Stackhouse and he didn't like what he heard? And he said, I'm not going to get to play this year, so I'm not going to play here. I'm not going to go here. Who Who knows? I've heard different things. I'm sure you guys have heard different things. I'm not going to speculate. I don't like speculating on that. But, Will, initial thoughts. I mean, do you have a do you have a clue on what happened, what might have happened, uh, how this impacts them? I mean, because it was a it was a surprise to me. I think it was a surprise to everybody, and that's why I tweeted about it. I said, "All right, something's up. You know, something's I, up. Either something's up positively or negatively. Like something's up negatively. I'm not saying Stackhouse is leaving or anything, but." Something's up culturally or something's up positively. Maybe Stackhouse has four or five guys booked and they're coming all next week. I don't, I don't know, but, but something is up. You, you asked if that's normal, if the amount, well, obviously having six guys enter the transfer portal, opening up six spots on your roster and not really having any names that we've heard with any weight to them mentioned as potential replacements. Not I mean, that that's the part that I'm trying to hold out hope. You saw the five names enter the transfer portal, QMB being the sixth, and you're sitting there trying to not have the skies falling and not have the chicken little uh, running around screaming the skies falling mentality. But at some point, you've got to get bodies in to replace the guys you're losing. QMB is not a superstar going to be a game changer for this team the upcoming this upcoming season. It is a loss. He's a big body. We love him on this podcast. Mentioned it a lot. Gritty glue guy. Does everything you want out of a big that's, that's outside of scoring, uh, really. But at some point, you've got to get guys in to replace him. You've got three guys, three three-stars coming in as freshmen in this class. You've got Lee Dort returning, Ezra Mignon returning, Colin Smith returning, uh, Tyron Lawrence kind of up in the air, Paul Lewis returning. Other than that, am I missing anybody? I don't think so. 
Uh, that, that doesn't nice. sound Jeez. like a vi- that doesn't sound like a very full basketball roster to me. So there has to be something, someone, I'm praying, brewing in the transfer market for Stackhouse. I mean, there has I to be. Heard, there I've has heard to be. nothing. I've heard nothing. Every single player that has mentioned Vanderbilt has been alongside 20 other college basketball programs uh, that have also reached out as far as potential destinations for them uh, to land at. So I don't have any answers for the many questions that we received underneath the tweet you put out, Billy, uh, about who is coming in to replace or any names that you've heard to come and replace. But the QMB news was shocking. It makes me think that maybe there is not a grand master plan here happening for Stackhouse and staff. And maybe this is just a complete liquidation of the current roster with really nothing to replace it. Surely the staff didn't expect six guys leaving, right? Man, you would think. I mean, and that's my thing is like, I do. And this isn't necessarily a knock on Jerry, but do we like really think that Jerry Stackhouse, because I've seen this, I have seen this go around. They're like, oh, well, he's, he's got to have guys lined up, which could very well be true. But, like, do we, like, really think that Jerry Stackhouse, like, is that sort of, like, galaxy brain, like, he's two steps ahead and, like, this is all a part of the master plan? Because I'm going to be totally honest. I don't. Like, I'm, like, I've had this conversation before. But, Trevor, I'm in but the, he's, he's I'm proven in the boat. us wrong. He's proven us wrong before. He has. And that's why, yes. that's why, I'm, that's why I'm hesitant. It's just such a weird spot right now, and I, I'm I totally get what you're saying, but we all said, you know, like we we were essentially calling for the guy's firing after the Alabama game. He reels off six straight games, boom. Like, I but it but it's also weird because you just I feel like you haven't seen enough of that. Like you haven't seen well, enough. Well, my of, thing is too is like where like why aren't they committing yet? Like, am I like maybe I just maybe there's admission like that you have to go through the whole process, but. But, like, I want to be, like, why aren't you, yeah. like, I want to see the on three graphic on your Twitter that says you're coming to Vanderbilt. And, like, if I, if I saw a couple of those, I'd be, like, okay, like, just I Just one it. guy. Like, just one big there, yeah, that's thing. You haven't seen it. And that's what's, that's what's freaking me out is there's nobody. So, like, so if you just, like we all said, we I, I think everybody had a soft spot for Cube, but I totally agree. Not very offensive, offensively efficient, but he was a big. And you go into this offseason probably needing another big. And that was with QMB and Dort. Now you go in and now you need two bigs. And so it's just, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I just. It's getting a lot tougher. I mean, because you look at it, Lee Dort is the center right now. And I'm not saying you'd be in an awful spot, but do you really want to throw a sophomore? You're in a. I think you're like, in an awful spot. I think you are. And that's not a shot. I mean, you're in a pretty league, look, you're like, in an awful spot because this isn't a team that we're going in with the expectations that, you know, a fringe NCAA tournament, solid berth in the NIT, that's not a successful season in year five. So you're looking at the current state of the roster, looking at who's available in the transfer market and saying, is this team going to be more talented than they were last year? You can answer that question for yourself. It's hard to look at the current state of the roster and say that the guys that they've lost are going to be replaced by equally or more talented yeah. guys completely across yeah. the board. And and we could be wrong. There could be a master plan. Stat could be playing chess and not playing checkers. But Trevor, I tend to side with you on the 
I don't really see it. And I think the QMB transfer news is what shifted me over to the maybe he doesn't have a master plan uh, side more solidly. And like, I want to believe, like I, re- like I really do. Like I, I want to believe there's a plan and there very well could be because my natural disposition, like not just in sports, but as like a human being is that I'm a very anxious person. And so that also extends to sports too. So I'm in very much like a sky, like the sky's not falling, but like, the clouds are covering the sun right now. Yeah, and it's it's a dark, I, gloomy cloud over yes, this program right now. Exactly. And like there's the rain a lot hasn't of, started, but I'm like, that's a dark cloud. <laughs> there's a lot of work to do, right? Like there's, I mean, say a guy you commits, lost You lost a starting roster and a sixth man, basically. Like <laughs> that's yeah. a lot to replace. Yeah, there's a lot of production to replace in – all of a sudden, guys, say Tyron just decides to say he gets a good draft scout. I was about to I was about to ask about I mean, that. That's it's over. I'm sorry. If Tyron Lawrence declares for the draft officially, it is over. And Vanderbilt just took a 3-1 lead as we speak. Get out of the floor. Safe at second. Let's go. Again against Mizzou. By the way, their facility. Get this bum out of here. Get this Lunsford guy out of here. How is again? How is Missouri like with those facilities? It almost looks like a like a high level D two school at times. Like they're bat, they're SEC ba- I mean, Big they're, Twelve challenge. Yeah, like it's that's a pitiful p- facility. Um, but nonetheless, Vanderbilt does lead Missouri three to one, top of the fourth, and they're still going at it. Got runners on second and third now. Um, but guys, only one out, only one. But back to basketball. It's just such a – I don't think we're in as deep of a conundrum anymore. Like, mids, like during that run, my brain I, – like, I didn't know how to process that run, and I think a lot of people could agree. It was totally um, illogical. Right. But it right didn't now, make any sense. I think it's starting to clear up now for, for me, right? Like, I'm starting to look at this and say, this program, they are who they are, right? Like – back-to-back years in the NIT, you lose in the quarterfinals of the NIT, right? Like, it, is that who they are? Now, I, I don't I don't know that, but that's what they have been, and that's what they have shown. So is that the ceiling? That That's that's what I keep asking myself, and I'm pretty close to, to answering yes to that. Just because, I mean, last year, how many did they lose? Four? Was it, was it four guys to the portal? I, I think it was four. Mm-hmm. And this year, six, right? I think the total is up to 18 now, transfers since Stackhouse was hired, right? Nope. So it just doesn't – there doesn't feel like a, a bright future is anywhere, right? <laughs> it just feels like you're kind of sitting in this, like, valley of mid, you know, average <laughs> basketball, right? This and was so, – yep. you're hitting on – you're hitting on wide uh, – I came on and was so negative after the Alabama loss. And the whole point was it's hard to look at this roster. Obviously, I didn't expect six guys to transfer Get out. Back. But Get back. Plus Tyron. Oh uh, Damn pickle. <laughs> we got oh, baseball you're, going on at the same time. Plus Tyron uh, potentially going to the NBA draft. But it was hard at that point in the year before the win streak to see this team being better next season. And so seeing this team being unable to make the NCAA tournament with a roster that had more talent on it than you were going to have next year and everybody just saying, 
oh, it's fine. Just they'll get hot at the end of the year and carry that momentum into next See, season. That, that's what I'm sick of. Y'all, that I'm, was that yeah. was the frustration I was feeling is, guys, there's not always next season. It, the grass is not always greener. This might be the most talent that he is able to accumulate in one season. And it by far was the most talent that Stackhouse had on a roster in his first four years. And it seems to me that unless something crazy happens in this transfer portal, that that's still going to be his most talented roster is going to be year four, uh, even entering year five. So we will see, but Stack has got to do something. And if Lawrence decides that the NBA draft and he's ready to go and gets a good grade, then like you said, Billy, it's over. Which I mean, yeah, just which go ahead I don't... and throw in the towel. And this yeah. upcoming season is a formality that will end in the firing of Jerry Stackhouse if Tyron Lawrence Yo. declares for the NBA draft. Which yep. I don't think he, I really don't think he will deep down. That's kind of a worst case scenario, obviously. Um, but guys, it's the QMB transfer. It just it it goes a, it cuts a little deeper, right? Like you had yeah. been you had been cut right with five transfers, right? You you had a little scab. It's almost like you fell down, you hit your knee on the concrete, and that scab just reopened up with the QMB transfer, and it's like yeah, it's affected. Right. Right. You got a you, know, you got a staph infection in your knee right now. <laughs> so and that takes a while for, for that to heal. Um and if you don't if you don't go to the doctor, if you don't do the right things, it's not it might not heal. And you might get it might get worse. So Stackhouse has to get going, right? Like in terms of timing, right? I mean, when when do I'm not sure when guys report like when your team is, is supposed to report, but you'd like to get a team together and in a group chat, uh, I would assume and say, here's our team. Because right now, say you're Ezra Manion, right? Say you're Colin Smith or Paul Lewis. I mean, what are you sitting around thinking right now, right? Like, it's the meme of the, of what's his name in the, in an empty house, uh, right? He's looking around. I mean, it's like, what, what's our, is this our, is this our team? Oh, um, what's Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Yep. It, it's the Will Smith meme. I mean, yes. obviously it's not that bad, but life imitates that's, art. <laughs> that's sort of where they're at. And so I, I like to put myself in those shoes of a Paul Smith type of guy. You know, does he start to say, man, this looks bleak next year? I mean, I don't know if, if our coach can bring in five or six guys that can put us to an NCAA tournament because that's where I want to play. So does that start happening? Does this get worse? I mean, the, the, the only now, if I can be the sky is not falling guy on the other side, you've basically retained all your talent. Okay, so right. yeah. I get Jordan Wright one year rental transferring to LSU back to his hometown SEC school. That's he's that's calling a Baton Rouge scenario. Um, Malik Dia probably a guy in Malik Dia that isn't you know a Power Six conference guy um, potentially transferring out, but you've retained Colin Smith. You've retained Lee Dort, probably. You've retained Ezra Mignon. You've retained Paul Lewis. Um, and the guys that you have lost aren't necessarily the guys that would be building blocks for the future of this program. That being said, Jesus Christ, there's only like five <laughs> guys left on the entire roster. I mean, yep. it, I love it, Will. Like, I love it. Yep. I love the guys that you've maintained. Like, I like I think see, like the, it's hard to talk. It's hard to yeah, be positive. The right most now. key it's, guys yeah. on the roster that I would have said you have to keep these guys this offseason. Depth sort of them. matters. <laughs> you have kept the guys that are like the you can't lose guys. 
but that's all you have kept. Literally and every that, single player that I would not have marked as absolutely mandatory to keep, you've lost them. And so yeah. now you've got to replace them. And that it's has like Vandy that. fans hanging on by a thread. That right there, yeah. right? You have you have five guys that you could probably win with, but they couldn't take you much very far, right? Like I mean, they could win you some non-conference games, but you sort of need depth in the SEC. And yeah. Trevor, that's what they don't have right now. And now, Will, uh, no, I, it's it, it's like what was that one basketball team? I was it the 2014 team to where it was like the Magnificent Seven. Seven, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's it's all we had, boys. I like I feel like this except like that team was really fun to watch and like I don't like I, I don't we're, we're gonna that was to have, a tough that was some tough times of Vanderbilt basketball you're bringing back into my Braley Alberts or whatever oh his name no was. no no that wasn't even Braley that was like Shelby Motes right that was Remember Shelby Motes yeah, Shelby Motes Kyle Fuller oh, yeah. Dejon Parker I think Luke Cornett might have been on that team Ron the chance was on there. Yeah, they were Wait, young. That was Baldwin. I don't, I don't think mm. they were there yet. I, it was a, it was an interesting group. I Siakam? think Siakam, 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 Siakam was on that. Yeah, Siakam was on that team. Um, but that, like, that's where we're at almost, right? Like, if say stay Stackhouse picks up three more transfers, right? You still have two more spots. You're gonna fill that with a walk on. You're gonna get another freshman, like. There's a lot of decisions to be made right now, right? Are we going to see five transfers? Are we going to see four transfers and a walk-on? Like, how are they going to manage that? I will go to the positive side, Will, like you were trying to get to. It's hard. It, it, it's hard right now. But I – like, part of me goes back to Stackhouse and his his ties, a lot of the recruiting ties he does have. And part of me believes he can bring in a big-time post player, right? Part of me believes he can bring in – a guy to replace a Jordan Wright, a lockdown defender, and and kind of a, a combo guard type of player. Um, the freshman I don't look too far into, right? Because freshmen haven't been retained by Stackhouse. I mean that that's a fact. Um, I, I I hate saying that about the freshman this year, but I mean, how many freshmen has he retained? Uh, and I know we've talked about that, but so it's just it's hard to be positive right now, though, guys. Like I, it's like it's like nails on a chalkboard when you're trying to talk positive about what's happening with Vanderbilt basketball. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm being serious there. Like I, I remember after the Alabama game, you know, we talked negatively, of course, that's, that was the mood of the fan base at the time. Um, and I look back and, okay, we had a whole season left. I don't want to do it again because we have been proven wrong before. At least I have, and I'm going to give it a couple weeks. And if they still don't pick up the players that, that we need it to see as, as fans, that's, you know, but then again, we keep saying that it's like, okay, we, you know, we haven't seen one, like you said, well, right. Like we haven't seen anybody commit. Transfer so. portal is March 13th through May 11th is the open period of the transfer portal. According to March 14th or May 11th. Okay. Yep. So this is a big April for Vanderbilt basketball. Yeah. I mean, I think well, we're just kind of hitting on the, yeah. yeah, we better see something in April. I mean, I think that will be – we will try to keep it everyone updated on what's going on in the transfer portal. But as of right now, it is an opaque wall yeah, that we, we have yeah. no view into. Yeah. To all of our – to all the listeners and to the people who follow us on Twitter, I, I will make a promise to you that that Billy will no longer tweet April Fool's joke saying uh, Olivier <laughs> Comois is transferring I to had Vanderbilt. To. So I had that, to. That was a good yeah. one. 
It, it also guy, made me angry, guys. I man. was I was texting people. I was checking boards. I was like, where is this? And then I, I found out it, that it was fake. And I, I told <laughs> Billy I hated him. <laughs> I said, Billy, I hate your guts. I had a few, like, Tennessee fans uh, quote tweet it and be like, no way. Like, no way. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it ended up getting, like, 60,000 views, which I thought was kind of funny. But um, Billy's a fraudster, guys. <laughs> They didn't even quote tweet it or anything saying this is April Fool's joke. Like people still out there seeing it. (laughs) It's just still live. (laughs) Oh, but but no, guys. So it's it's just tough to talk positively about what's happening right now. But then again, Stackhouse has proved us wrong before, and I'm not ruling any of that out. Right? Like I I I, I think he can bring in a bunch of guys now. How good will they be? Who knows? But, Will, I think your point still stands that the core you need is there, right? Like, that's what Stackhouse can say. Like, I've got five guys yeah. I can throw on the court right now and probably win with. I just need some depth pieces. Need some right? bodies. Come, right. Come be that depth piece for our program and let punch us into the tournament, right? So, I think I think he does have a selling point, but you got to do it quick, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like, yeah. here, do it in a month. Go. Good luck, Stack. I mean, when you're when you're seeing two of the transfers out of your own program already commit to LSU and Belmont, and you have yet to land anyone coming into your program, it just continues to build the Trevor anxiety that, it, that <laughs> continues to sit in the pits of yeah. I'm about to call my stomachs. freaking primary care physician. She's like, "Hey, like everything in life okay?" I'm like, "No." Vanderbilt basketball has given me. They haven't signed anybody again. out of the portal. Yet. They have, and she's like, "What are you?" T-? She's like, "What's the portal?" I'm like, "You don't understand. I need to up my prescription." <laughs> what do oh, we do without feeling like this? We read twenty four seven sports message boards. She's no. like, she's like, she's like, did I not tell you about the breathing method? I'm like, right now. <laughs> okay, don't I, don't. I tell this to fans. Don't. We're not Robbie Weinstein. We're not Chris Lee. Okay, we're you know we're here to react and, and give you guys our our informed opinions and and takes and information. So the questions about portal wish list, we don't have one, right? I mean, I, I mentioned Build Damian Dunn, and, right? Just give me give I mean, me is five Hunter players. Dickinson still out there? <laughs> that was a guy I didn't mention, um, and I don't think it'll happen. But how ironic would that be? Right, like his last game as a Wolverine was at various acts for Hunter Dickinson to be in black and gold. I, I mean, th- I think he imagine? might be in blue and white. Okay, oh, he might the be big a Kentucky blue. Wildcat. Yep. Don't say Good that. Call. If I had to, if I had to place some money on a prop bet on where Hunter Dickinson is going, that would be also. Money would be speaking of prop bets, I should have placed one on Jordan Wright to LSU. I I called it. I know you guys were weren't surprised by it either. Um, I was shocked. I, I was on the pod last week. Like people kept asking me like LSU. I'm like, guys, he's not going to LSU. Like there's no way. And I had an LSU. I saw I the had, tweet and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> we had LSU fans DMing us saying, is Jordan Wright going to commit? When's he going to commit? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, he probably will, but I don't know. Um, like have him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But he was, I mean, that's a no brainer. Happy for him. Really? I think yeah. that's going to be cool. That's going to be a cool moment when he, he comes back to Memorial because he should be, he should not be booed. Right, and I hope we all agree on that. Um, <laughs> uh, Trevor, look, there's the, yeah. there's two. I, I said this to Trevor. Let me have come time. on, let me come have on, time. Trevor. I'll think about that. There's two reactions you can have. Come on. There's the per- it's the Eagles the fan. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's there's the, the human fan being <laughs> reaction. There's the human being reaction. What of city life. are you from? <laughs> Dude, I hope Jordan Wright does good as a person. 
Like, I, I think everyone on this podcast is a human. It's like, it's where you're dribbling a basketball on a hardwood court and what colors you're wearing. So like from the macro extent, yeah, I hope Jordan Wright does great. From the non-macro Vanderbilt fan perspective, the fact that the fan expectation as a fan, so this is not as a person, that you are just (laughs) supposed to sit back and applaud a guy who's like, thank you so much for the last four years and making me a part of your family. I'm now going to transfer to your intra-conference rival and you're going to play against me now. And anything but congratulatory applause for my decision will make you a horrible person. Like, that's stupid, okay? He's transferring away from your program. I Like, I hope he does great as a person. I think, like, nothing against that. But as far as being, like, a Vanderbilt fan, do I have to sit there and clap for that? That's just a weird situation that that we've created as normal. Is like, yeah. So you're just going to sit there? like it's not even that it's just i'm still like i'm You're not talking about like the responsibility like, I understand right, you don't that. have the right yeah. i don't think i would i don't think i would boo i wouldn't him, boo but him. like okay that's what i that's what i was getting at i, I thought okay. y'all were getting there like <laughs> uh, if he got like a ticky tacky foul i might start to boo but like <laughs> okay but that's i'm talking about when he's introed right when they say Starting at guard, Jordan Wright. No, no, I no. I would not boo. Him I'm guy. not a boo a guy, but at the same time, it's like all the stuff. I I'm trying to find Jordan Wright's statement. It's like Commodore oh, Nation. Lose. My time in Nashville has been nothing short of amazing. I've cherished every minute of this journey and appreciate my four years as a Commodore. With that being said, thank you so much, and I'll be leaving your program and your city never to return except when we play against each other in competition. And it's like, that is just so dumb. It's like two sides. You can't have the, this was an irreplaceable four years and nothing will ever approach the last four years, but I'm going to transfer and I hope it goes way better somewhere else. It's like, okay, whatever. I think for Jordan, it looks to Jordan. I'm kind of sick of this transfer within the same conference. Bullshit. I, I see where you're at there. I, I can I totally understand that because I think as, as Vanderbilt people, as anybody in the SEC, right, you're starting to see it a lot. Right within the SEC, whether it's A and M to Arkansas or Vandy to LSU, right? Well, I, it's I don't it's like weird that. Christian college. Little did the same thing when Christian I was in Little, high, when I was I, in high I will school. Boo Christian Little, where we was had the outrage two, there? Yeah. We had yeah. two of our best players on our basketball team transfer to a rival school with, within our county, Belmont. And it's like <laughs> okay, yeah. but this was in high school, like personally. Oh, I think down the road, yeah. Oh. So, but that there wasn't this gigantic, uh, this gigantic expectation of every single student from the current school is going to applaud them when they're announced in the starting lineup is, oh, well, they put in three years at this school and then transferred to another one to play for a different coach on a different team. I don't know. It's just a weird environment that we've created within the transfer portal. It I is. don't really have a it point is. as to what I'm saying. It just <laughs> is. And I think Vanderbilt fans will agree with the emotion I'm trying to put out there right now. Well, there, there's a lot of uh, varying emotions going on with Vanderbilt basketball fans in particular, but baseball it's very is very raw in, right now, too. It is. But it's it's baseball, very raw. Baseball is balancing that out right now. Uh, oh, I think, God. I think, Vandy, I think, thank goodness. Um, I love the Vandy boys. <laughs> Speaking of the Vanny boys, uh, before we get to the Vanny boys, anything else on basketball? I, I know we mentioned Malik Dia to Belmont, Jordan Wright to LSU. I think we have exhausted 
uh, everything. Uh, we've probably tired out Vandy fans with basketball drama. We'll we'll have more to talk about. Any any transfer portal news that comes out, we will talk about it. All right, Vandy boys, a lot to get to here, and they swept another team in the SEC for the third straight time, and they're actually hoping to sweep another team as we speak. They lead Missouri right now, three to one, heading to the bottom of the fifth. They're 23-5, and 9-0 and in the conference. They became just the fifth team in SEC history and the second since 1991 to start conference play with three straight sweeps. They have won 11 in a row. This weekend's sweep was Vandy's first sweep over Georgia since 2016, and they've got guys, freshman of the week, pitcher of the week, offensive player of the week. I mean, it's every week. Chris Maldonado, SEC co-freshman of the week. He reached base eight times in the Georgia series. Devin Futrell, he was named SEC Pitcher of the Week. He tossed eight shutout innings in the 4 nothing victory on Sunday. I mean, there's there's not enough to say about this team right now. Guys, they're hitting 352 as a team during this stretch. They're holding opposing hitters to 204, 204 average. They're averaging 12 runs per game. The stats, I mean, I can go on forever, but the bottom line is, guys, they're not going anywhere. Mm-mm. I mean, I, I and I don't like how people say they're back. I have never said they're back. I mean, they didn't go anywhere. But I do think people on the outside were saying, they were chirping, saying Vandy boys are declining. You know, you would see Twitter comments, YouTube comments, whatever it was. There was a lot of chirping about that, even last year, from Tennessee people, from SEC people, saying that the Vandy boys are dying. They're, they're declining. And... I think you saw signs of it, but what they did in the offseason to root out some of the, you know, some of the evils, whether it was Little, Carter Young, I'm not picking out those guys particularly. I mean, yeah. it could have been other guys, but that that's what happened. I mean, they they rooted out guys that were cancers to the team, and they brought in a guy like R.J. Shrek. They brought in a freshman like Maldonado, R.J. Austin, right? So Astine, who is not a defensive liability at shortstop, and right and has good and has on developed. offense. Yeah. Right, he's developed within the program. So, and the quote I asked this to Rhett Wiseman guys. Did y'all see the Corbin quote that that I retweeted from the Doorport? It was a pretty jarring quote, and it was from Next Level Baseball. And Corbin was was asked about you know the transfer portal and, and NIL and and things of that nature. He said, "This is from a very good college head coach." Corbin actually told all the guys from his roster last year that they should go in the portal if they wanted NIL money because they would never do it at Vandy. He pushed guys out, got rid of the selfish people. Awesome stuff, but definitely a unique place in this shit show we have now. I did I mean, not see that quote. So, yeah, it's it's next Good level. Ba- Lord. Next level baseball. It's a nationally ranked travel organization. Perfect game. Uh, 71,000 followers on, on Twitter. I mean, it, it, it looks pretty reputable. Um, I didn't believe it at first, but, I mean, I don't see – there's just like 68 quote tweets about it. It got nearly 2,000 likes. So, again, I'm not confirming that's true, and, and a college coach said that. I wouldn't be surprised, though, right? And that's who Corbin is, you know? I mean, and so I think from from Vandy fans' perspective, sit back and relax because this team is on a mission, right? I mean, you start – this is the SEC, Right, I don't want to hear about mm-hmm. this is this is the down part of your schedule. No, Will, you hit it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss was a top ten team. 
right? And so five team. They were number three in the country, I believe. Vanderbilt (laughs) swept them. It's it's every article that you read about Vanderbilt baseball because I'm doing catching up. But they've played the worst three teams. Yeah, yeah, of the three of us had a had as a top ten draft pick at shortstop and Jacob Gonzalez. Like people, like these are not schlubs. Yes. No. The the teams that Vanderbilt has swept and started out nine and zero against are three and fifteen in games not played against Vanderbilt. So yes, the teams that Vanderbilt has swept so far are three and fifteen in other games that they have played. Those other games they have played are still in the SEC against SEC opponents. And Billy, you said something at the beginning about the Vandy boys didn't go anywhere. And I think that that was a very good a, a very good point. Is Van, Vanderbilt baseball didn't go anywhere? Other SEC programs started pouring resources into their programs yeah. to achieve to reach the level of success that Vanderbilt had shown could easily be not easily, but could be achieved in the SEC. And now the cream is once again rising to the top. And Tim Corbin and this Vanderbilt program are still the elite program, the elite program, the number one program in all of college baseball. I just want to repeat that. They are the most interacted with across all social media channels. Mm -hmm. It's not even close. Uh, It's not even close. Vanderbilt baseball is number one. The Vandy boys are number one. That brand is untouched across college baseball. And this year, they're finally kind of putting it together again. I know it's been so long since they won a national championship in 2019. Uh, everybody just acts like that didn't happen so long ago. <laughs> and they were in it in 2021. Yeah. 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 So long ago. Uh, but this Vanderbilt team is bringing back some uh, great memories of Vanderbilt teams mm. in the past. And Trevor, Billy, you guys, are the ones that'll get to the nitty gritty. And I have, uh, been watching and can't wait to contribute to these nitty gritty conversations as we continue going. When I mean, Will contributes, so that's fun. when you know. Yeah, it's. I can't wait to start having takes that anger people. That's all. That's all <laughs> I need. This team is literally and and two. I want to. I, I want to address. I think you guys have done a great job about this narrative that Vanderbilt like is hasn't. Back. Or, or like the Vanderbilt hasn't played like teams yet. Like, yes, right. the the in conference record, not great. Ole Miss, whenever Vanderbilt played them and swept them in convincing fashion, they were top three team in the nation, defending national title team. Mississippi State, I mean, it is what it is. Mississippi State actually, like, they actually do suck. Like, it's just that's like, that's the one team. Yeah, that's the one team that people are like, oh, you played Mississippi State. I'm like, hey, I'll give that to you. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah, I, you maybe have a point. Georgia is not good, but Georgia was maybe one of the best. Like, you can make the argument like the best offensive team in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, after this, this is just after the series. Charlie Condone had like a 26 game hit streak carried that through through the series listen his batting average halfway through the season is four is 449 he has a 449 Ooh. batting average he's slashing 449 and OBP of 531 he's slugging 832 and has an OPS of 1.363. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you want to know their Not next bad. guy up? Their next guy up. Oh, he's batting a casual 400. Their next guy up, Parks Harbor, batting a casual 304, then 290, 284, 284. I mean, 
even if like you look at like also to this subscription D1 baseball, I freaking love it. Next level. It's amazing. If if you guys if if any of my diehard baseball fans want to know about Charlie's uh uh runs created plus, um he's at 372. So Georgia is a really really good runs offensive team. Plus. Yeah, like dude, I'll dude, we we want to hey Babbitt, he's a thousand guys. He's How deep into the nitty-gritty do they get? Oh, I mean Babbitt uh <laughs> Weighted runs created, weighted runs created, weighted runs created plus. We got rated <laughs> runs above average. Um, and then it like sounds like stuff, me like, talking about the Ken Palm subscription. I literally was thinking, I was like, that's exactly I like, what I sound like. I was like, Will, it's like Christmas morning. Missouri, Missouri just scored, so it's three two Vanderbilt. They have a runner on second base, bottom. Missouri's five. good, but Missouri is probably, and then we'll get into Missouri. This Missouri is, is yeah. probably the best. We'll team get there. That we faced so far. But this Vanderbilt team is good, and they're a buzzsaw right now. Anybody who runs into them just gets all chopped up. I mean, um, he's not starting tonight. Uh, Carter Holton, uh, yeah, he, they're resting yeah, Carter, him. Yes, which is whenever I saw the lineup that Bryce Cunningham was was starting, I got very nervous because Carter Holton, Carter Holton is was named by D one Baseball midseason All American, like. Just loaded top, and you can make the argument Carter Holden isn't even the best weekend starter. Like, Hunter you can Owens. make the argument that Devin Futrell still got that title. Like, and so just top to bottom, I mean, this team they've always had pitchers. Vandy will always have pitchers, but whenever you got an elite pitching staff like this, and then guys who can just go out. And if you want to play small ball, fine. We'll play small ball with you. If you want to get into this modern game of baseball just to where it's all about hitting home runs and getting extra base hits, fine. This team can do that too. Like it's just it, whatever whatever style of baseball you want to play, Vanderbilt's like, yeah, like we can do that. You know what I mean? And so it's yep. it's a fun team to watch. It's a very, very fun team to watch. And, you know, before the season, I think we had talked about this team as being a small ball team, right? I mean, I I we didn't – I don't know that I expected this team – to be hitting all the home runs they, they've hit so far. Um, like that, that's been a pleasant surprise. So you're right, Trevor, like they can, yeah. win, they can beat you in a variety of ways. They can take you deep. They can small ball you down the third baseline, move RJ Austin over Enrique's at first, right? You got the bases yep. loaded all of a sudden. So, you know, I, you're right. They can win in a variety of ways, but I think small ball is down the stretch, whether you get in the postseason play, is where they're going to have to because the fields get bigger, right? If you get into Omaha, yeah. uh, you get into Hoover, right? The fields get a little bit bigger. Not saying they can't hit the ball out, but that feels like a little bit of their DNA. They've hit well at home. But you mentioned the pitching, Trevor. They've got a 3.03 ERA with 95 strikeouts to 36 walks during this win streak. I mean, yeah. just ridiculous numbers. They they beat WKU, which is always good to win a non-conference game. But yeah. let's get to this series here with, with with Missouri. I think we're all watching it right now. Looks like we're in for a good finish tonight. Vandy's up three to two in the bottom of the fifth. Missouri's threatening. I think you're right, Trev. I think they're even a little bit better than Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss was highly overrated. Uh, Missouri's yeah, a team that swept Tennessee. Um, they haven't won an SEC game since then, though. Right, so they swept Tennessee. They're a they, weird team. They're a very yeah. weird team. And yeah, they, they just around. popped up the stat, Billy, that said that during the UT series that they averaged seven point seven runs per game, and yeah. then when they had their two series against South Carolina and UK following that, they averaged two point seven runs per game, and they went from batting right. two ninety one to like two hundred four 
Yeah, huge which in their dip. defense, Kentucky and like South Carolina is obviously an elite. A lot team. Kentucky yeah. is also very good this season. Mm-hmm. Top twenty-five seeing, ball club. Yeah, you're seeing teams now in the SEC. All of a sudden, like you said, Will, they're putting resources. All of a sudden, you're seeing them get a little bit better because you're in the SEC. You're recruiting to the South, and you can recruit to your conference. So, yeah. but yeah, right now Vandy's up three-two. All three of these games are on SEC Network Plus. So go on and watch them. Cold. It's cold. Not not the wind isn't too bad. Doesn't look like right now, uh, but it is cold. I think it'll be in the 30s, low 40s the whole weekend. Uh, but it is Easter weekend. I think that's why they started it on on a Thursday. Most series around the country uh, are starting on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, guys, Missouri is a team. They played in Arlington along with Vanderbilt, and they left with wins over Texas and TCU. Right, so they started off well. Like you said, well, they swept Tennessee at home to start SEC play, and we're like, what the crap? Where, where did this come from? Um, and then, you know, they turned around and got swept by Carolina and Kentucky. They're hungry. I mean, this is a series, guys, where you start to look at it, you say, okay, you're going on the road, not the most favorable environment and conditions to play in, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a rowdy environment, but you're playing in 30-degree weather, a little bit of wind, I think, tomorrow. Um, so this is it, Trev. I mean, it, yeah, this, this, is a, this is a big prove-it weekend. For Vandy, right? I yeah, mean, go on the I road, agree. and we don't need a sweep. Rhett Wiseman got into this. He said, "Listen, I, let's not get greedy. We don't need a sweep, right?" Yeah, I totally but agree. Yeah. If you I get totally another agree. series win, all of a sudden that's four straight series win in the SEC to start the season. That is not too shabby. No, not at all. And to Missouri, we we were talking about their schedule a little bit. Um, uh, I looked this up. They're four and seven um, against uh, top 25 RPI teams. So not too great. Uh, most through, I mean, three of those came against Tennessee. Um, so, I mean, a losing record against your top 25 RPI teams. They're real funky. They're not the best offensive team. What about their net uh, though? Oh gosh. Yeah. Look, I, I love the tweets about like anytime like the Vandy boys get a big win, they're like, well, how does this impact our net? Like, I, like <laughs> that will that legitimately will never love get it. old to me. Like it could be October and like Van or it could be like September and Vandy beats like UNLV. And like I want to see like the well, how does this impact our net rankings? Like I, I think that is legitimately like hilarious. It, fit, it fits so perfectly with that basketball season too, just the way it yes. went, like <laughs> all that drama. Gosh, but, but go ahead, Trev. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this is, I, I think too, I totally agree with what Rhett said. I don't, Vanderbilt doesn't have to get a sweep. Um, Obviously you would love to have a sweep. Like that's the goal is to win every ball game, but this is baseball. And really it's, it's about the series more than anything. If you can get the series. And I think too, um, I thought Vanderbilt, I still think Vanderbilt's in a really good position to sweep this Missouri team. Um, Whenever they announced the lineup, and I saw that Bryce Cunningham was pitching. I thought, okay, I was like, this. If if there was if if there was a game Vanderbilt was going to drop, it could possibly be this one. Um, and Bryce Cunningham is a great pitcher. And I will say that Vanderbilt fans should be. And Ryan Ginther gets they out, got of, out the of the inning. Yep, there we go. Boom. Ryan Ginther, the pride of Hendersonville, Tennessee. Let's go. He's. He's getting up there in hey, appearances and, and shout too. Out, and, and shout out to Bryce Cunningham. I, I, like I said, whenever I saw the lineup for this game, um, I was like, obviously your first initial thought is like, Jesus Christ, I hope Carter Holton's okay. And since yeah. it's just rest, I, fine. No, let's like, just, let's a, just, throw, let's just throw Cunningham out there. You know, see, see how and, he does. Oh, two, he's like, done okay. Exactly. And two, like, like only Bryce Vanny Cunningham, can do that. Yes. <laughs> Bryce Cunningham is a step down from Carter Holton. That's not a shot on Bryce Cunningham at all, but like 
whenever you think of starting pitchers, he's younger. Like Carter Holton is up there with like Paul Skeens or Paul Skeens. I always butcher his last name. Like he was the only other starting. If, I don't know if anybody's up there with Skeens, Trev. He's, he was the only other starting pitcher to be voted uh, uh, mid midseason All American. He's not he's not Skeens level, but like. Dude, I don't he's know. He's in man. that. I, he's in that tier, though. Yeah. Also, too, I'm not drinking the Skeens juice either. That's have you just have like, you seen that Skeens kid, Will, from from LSU? He's like six four, uh, 220 pounds, yeah. and he, I mean, he looks like Steven Strasburg, like a big leaguer right now. Yeah. Um, it's it's unbelievable. And Rhett talked about that. He he had a hilarious quote when talking about LSU and Tennessee and the NIL era of yeah. you know LSU poaching guys, poaching Christian Little. Uh, he basically, which was also said, who's all the best pitching staff I've ever been a part of. Well, buddy, you're still getting shellacked because you don't have that dog in you. And I was yeah, a Christian. Yeah, he, he got, he got rocked a couple of weeks ago, but, yeah, uh, back to that, he, he basically said, yeah, LSU next year, they're probably going to be awful because all those guys are going to be gone. Tennessee, they suck this year. Like he said, he, yeah. he said, Tennessee, they suck because of everybody yeah. that left and they brought in some transfers. So it is. It's not easy to build a program through the portal, right? No, because you never know when those guys are going to leave. Perpetual so, free agency, exactly. Yeah. And even in baseball. So again, to harp on that with this team, you see the the development in these guys, like a guy like Vastine and the freshman man. I think they've been a huge key too. R.J. Austin, R.J. Been Austin, a pleasure to watch. Jonathan Vastine, Maldo. yeah, Chris Maldonado. I mean. Davis Diaz, though, and Rhett talked about this too. We'll get to it here in a second. He talk, he yeah. said Diaz has been the key, right? Because he's, he's hitting in he's so good on the corner. He's hitting he's hitting in that two hole, right? He's yeah. behind Bradfield, but he's protecting RJ Shrek in the yeah. lineup, right? So mm-hmm. that protection, if you're the three hole, is huge. Um, yeah. Shrek's actually up right now, but but yeah, Vandy boys are rolling. I mean, they're a wagon. There, there's no other way to describe them. Uh, they've got Mizzou this weekend, and they will play. Uh, tonight, uh, which is Friday, speaking we're, we're speaking Friday terms. Saturday at two o'clock, so it's going to be cold, a little windy tomorrow night, I think. So um, we'll continue to keep track of it. We'll be watching it all weekend. There's nothing else on other than the Masters. Hopefully, Gordon Sargent makes the cut. Uh, but guys, that does it. We we got into our baseball drama. We got into basketball. Will you have anything else to close us out here with? Spring I game motivation. <laughs> I saw it. Speaking of football, not spring game motivation. I just want to plug it in the minds of uh, you guys and Vanderbilt fans. I saw it way too early over under on Vanderbilt football wins and losses. Uh, oh, oh, I, I did too. Wasn't it three and a half? Yep, three and a half. What? With the that's house disrespectful. On. That's ridiculous. I, I texted. So this is where. No, I there's like, no so way. That's I have true. a buddy. I have a buddy that his name is Shaw. He doesn't listen to this, but it was it was that uh, he's SEC a gambling, podcast, right? Yeah, he's a SEC gambling model, addict yeah. just like me. And before I ever saw that SEC podcast put out uh, the three and a half over under, uh, I texted him and said, "Where do you think Vanderbilt's over under is going to set this year?" Just curious, somebody that's unattached to Vanderbilt football, and he said he thought it would be five and a half. And I said, absolutely not. It will not be a five and a half over. Under. Might I said, I, I was deciding between three and a half and four and a half and seeing three and a half. If that is the official sports book line put out for Vanderbilt football, mortgage your be, house. It's got to be at least kids four and college and a half. to it. Put your kids college tuition on it. Vanderbilt over three and a half wins this upcoming football season. I will be putting an irresponsible amount of money on that. If that is the official line. 
I'm right. Guys, Vandy football starting five and zero, maybe seven and zero. I'm drinking the juice heavy. It's just like okay. And on the real gambler side, if you're not a Vanderbilt fan, that's really cool to say. But Vanderbilt will have opponents who are probably even money or underdogs uh, playing against them in at least four games this upcoming season. It's another future over under win loss total from Vegas that doesn't make any sense and is only that because Vanderbilt does not have a large fan base that will bet the over up and make Vegas lose money. So I'm telling you, this is real free money. Do it, bet it, find it. That's the advice from the door board today. This ain't this ain't big blue nation. We can't we can't carry uh <laughs> carry the the, uh, the, the books. I like do my that. best. I do my best. Um, but uh, but no, guys. Honestly, Vanderbilt owns Kentucky though. Just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I, I yes, forgot it, about I forgot about the questions and comments though, guys. I, there's only two oh, that yes. I think are there's only two that I think are relevant. So I, I got to get to these. Um, Justin Kemp. Hell of a comment here. I, I honestly got chill bumps when he when he typed this out when I saw this on Twitter. He says, Oh, I just lost it. Here it is. The Vols series here last year was absolutely miserable in baseball at Hawkins Field. It sucked. Sun- yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. By Sunday, the people wearing the stupid Vitello jerseys outnumbered us. Just talk for a minute about the sweet, sweet revenge that's coming in two weeks in Knoxville. Yeah. Trevor, I'll let you take that. Yeah. One. Yeah. They're um yeah. It's holy week. So uh so Tennessee Vol fans, go ahead and take advantage of that. Get right with God. Um <laughs> sins must be atoned for. Um Tim Corbin and the Vandy boys are coming. Um a, a sweep is on deck. Uh I'm tr- I'm trying to go to Lindsay Nelson or whatever the hell they call I'm them. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out there. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going so expensive. The tickets are so expensive because the ballpark's the size of a freaking shoebox. People are like, <laughs> oh, how does Tennessee last year keep hitting all these home runs? Well, uh, because they were juicing not just the bats, but themselves. Um, I forget <laughs> that one, I forget what that guy's name was, but the left fielder or the Jordan right Beck. fielder. Yeah, no, no, who was it that got suspended for like Drew juicing? Gilbert. Drew Gilbert, yeah, you're like, okay. Right. You're like, yeah, you guys are pumping yourselves with DECA in the clubhouse. <laughs> but, yeah, so you're juicing the bats, you're juicing your players, and your stadium is literally the size of a shoebox. Every Anybody could hit it's like, like a dinger out of right? there. And so, like, that's, yeah. They're, they're, there's hell to pay in a couple weekends because Vanderbilt's going to trot out these MLB-ready arms. Um, the bats are going to be if, – if you think this Vanderbilt offense is good right now – Goodness! Wait until you go into Lindsey Nelson and they're hitting inside a ball. Oh my goodness! Closet. I mean, Parker Nolan might have seven home runs on the weekend. Like it's just going back home, guys. Oh. I yeah. I oh Trevor RJ. Oh, I thought Vanderbilt just, went, just. I thought Vanderbilt just hit a home run straight RJ away. RJ Austin almost went yard. Um, this is what the Vandy boys do. They keep you on the air. But I'll say this real quick before we end, and I will. I'll, I'll let you comment on that. They're, this team is on a mission. I mean. Did you really think Tim Corbin was just going to lay down to the rest of the SEC? Jay Johnson buying his team, Tony yep. Patello acting like a clown, shoving umpires, uh, buying, looking like buying a, his team, right? And then and then Maui did, did you, sucks. He's I think did, he's like he leaves the SEC and I don't think he leaves the SEC in errors, but like I think he might. Did, I think he literally might lead the SEC in errors. Like, did you really think Tim Corbin and and Vanderbilt baseball would just lay down? like a dog and say, yep, 
my time here is done. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go out while I can. I'm going to go out losing in the regional. No, this, this, this team. And the court in Corvallis. Yeah. I mean, that would be the most lame way to go out. Corbin's not going out like that. I'm, I'm convinced he's getting another national title, whether it's this year, next year, or two years from now, he's getting another one. And if it's this year, and if they beat Tennessee and Knoxville, I mean, that's for Vandy fans. That's that's some good icing on on top of the cake. So yeah. Well, I don't know if you have any thoughts, but last season series at the Hawk where Tennessee swept Vandy, that is still rooted deep inside this team's soul and this program's soul. I truly believe, right? Like that. I mean, if it if it's the same for the fans then this team, I, I cannot wait for that series. That series is still like a month away, I think. Or no, it's like three weeks away, three or four weeks yeah. away. But my goodness, I mean, that's going to be fun. Tennessee baseball fans have a special place in hell oh. because they literally, <laughs> and I mean no. this truly, we, we joke I'm so sorry, saying, Will. These umpires are morons. <laughs> they just I, I don't know who was batting, but they just called out because he didn't even try to go to second. He just kind of twitched the umpires. Yeah, like, that, that was well, awful. That was I terrible. Missed I missed they it. They counted too. the run though. So four I think they counted the run four, four two, two yeah. but innings four should two. still be going on. But he didn't even he didn't even act like he was going to second. He just ran through the bag and looked over at second. That wasn't like making an attempt to go there. We need to start doing these with Trevor okay. at the game. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever like, I was saying, you will, and like, I just Tennessee got a hot dog down sucking. my gullet. Yeah. Go ahead, will. Whatever I was saying, I, I think I was saying that normally, whatever you were saying. Yeah, whatever I was saying. Normally, like, we make fun when Tennessee basketball is good and has been good under Rick Barnes or, or better. That when Tennessee basketball or Vanderbilt basketball is better than Tennessee basketball, Tennessee fans state that nobody cares about basketball. But, you know, growing up in the state of Tennessee in the days of Chris Lofton and Shane Foster, Tennessee basketball does have a bit of a fan base and a bit of a, a tradition bit. of supporting that program. However, that is not the case for baseball. And Vanderbilt baseball fans have dealt for years with Tennessee fans straight up just saying nobody gives a shit about baseball. I don't know why you Vanderbilt fans keep talking about how good your baseball program is. Nobody cares. And that was just because Tennessee baseball sucks dick. And they had one <laughs> good season last year with Tony Vitello and his stupid beard. Tony V! And his, and his stupid, perfectly manicured beard. And they had one good year. And Trevor, you stated it perfectly. So Sins immature. must be atoned for. And that is the mindset that Tim Corbin and the Vandy boys are rolling into Knoxville with and sins will be atoned for. I yes. have no doubt in my mind. Your knees will buckle on your knees are going to buckle under the weight of your sins. <laughs> I also want to say too, Will, I'm so sorry for interrupting, but they just showed the replay and he did attempt to go to second. He did like look like <laughs> to all the TDR listeners. I'm so sorry, but I saw the replay. I'm like, yeah, that was actually a good call. <laughs> Just in the heat of the moment, I'm trying to do two uh, things. You're like a Tennessee. <laughs> you're like a Tennessee baseball fan, Trev. I know, guys. I swear, I, I swear, I watch baseball. I promise. Make sure the replay. Like, ah, that was like, actually that was a good call. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I am very sorry, but will yeah, sins must be atoned for. There, there is no yeah. 
What a there's pod. no uh, what a... there's no putting blood on on your door frame. There's nothing we to are... save you. Tim. I I want to say we're still three weeks away from that series. Take me to that week. Oh my gosh, Tennessee Vandy oh in Knoxville. Gosh. I'm finding a way there. Um, I'm gonna I'm, try and go there. Yeah, we we should all. Although we care about our safety, so maybe oh, not. Dude. We'll see. We'll Tell see. Them to pull up, dude. Hey, hey, hey! All Vol fans, meet. Do they even have seats in the outfield? Yeah, they do in the le- in left field, but I think that's probably reserved. Like, could you imagine oh. three three fans decked out? Meet me, meet me in left field, bozos. <laughs> yeah, Trev, you you might be in the hospital after. <laughs> no. no, I got great insurance. <laughs> <laughs> no, all jokes aside, uh, big weekend here, Vanderbilt, Missouri, black and gold spring game. Hopefully, Gordon Sargent makes the cut. Basketball transfer portal. We're keeping that program in our prayers with hopefully from Will's perspective that hoping and praying they find at least one guy. Let's not say Will's perspective. Will's just trying to be uncharacteristically (laughs) positive when in all reality he sees he sees the negative route being more the more likely path. (laughs) More accessible. Uh HMD tweeted as he was like I think it's like what his question talk was me like off the ledge. Yeah. I'm sorry, brother. There's no I talking can't. off the ledge. Cause I'm, I'm right there with you. I've been tried. in a big, I've been in a big creed phase recently. I don't know why, but like that one song tour, he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, oh my God. He's, he's, like, talking, he's, he's like, he's like, he's like, I'm on the ledge. He's like, I'm in the six feet. Doesn't seem so deep. And I'm like, bro, that's speaking <laughs> to me right now about Vandy basketball. <laughs> I'm six feet from the edge, and I'm thinking that's the song. Yep. Yeah, we're right on the ledge, brother. Don't look too deep. Well, end it for me. I can't. <laughs> I, I've been listening. You've been listening to the door report, I think. <laughs> Don't leave quite yet, Commodore Nation. It's time for our interview with Rhett Wiseman, former national champion Vandy Boy in 2014. We dive into all things Vanderbilt baseball with Rhett. Keep it right here. Rhett, let's start with uh, where this team is at right now. Uh, you know, before we we got on here, I mentioned three straight SEC sweeps. It's never happened under Tim Corbin, and you know, I saw that stat and I was like, no way, surely that that has happened under Tim Corbin, but no. And um, you know, well, the starting six and zero part. I mean, you know, I'm sure three straight SEC sweeps have happened, but the start, this start to an SEC slate and and conference play has been unbelievable. It's never happened before, so. How have they been able to do it from from your perspective? I mean, Billy, this is the most well-rounded team at Vanderbilt that I have seen in a very, very long time. Not only do they have the pieces, they have the tools, they have the talent, but they're actually putting it together and showing it, which is so rare. Usually you have the pieces and you have the talent. But it takes a while. You got to find the right formula. The team has to build chemistry. You have to find the right lineup. You got to find the right rotations. You got to find out who has what roles. And that takes 40, 50, sometimes even more games um, to really solidify that. But you look at what this team has done in a short amount of time. At the beginning of the year, they were okay. I mean, the first two weeks of the year, they were fine. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, something clicked. And now, hands down they're the best team in the country rolling people i mean stomping teams and uh it's fun to watch it sure is it uh it's sure been fun to watch and i think last time we talked you know obviously sec play hadn't started yet we were previewing that trip to arlington and and after that that trip to arlington it was kind of okay 
you know, nothing, nothing crazy, but also nothing horrible. You know, you, you get out of that alive and you, you know, you get a couple wins and then you go in non-conference. We talked about, I think, a, one of their non-conference midweek losses, but th- this team got into SEC play, Rhett, and just flipped a switch. I mean, does that tell you something about this group and how, uh, I guess, how confident they are, the, the swagger level? I mean, that, that's what you guys had in 2014. So does that tell you about a little bit about this team that here's SEC play, Ole Miss coming to town, and boom, that, that flip has been switched? Yeah, you know, in regards to swag and, and toughness, these guys are these guys are pretty good. Uh, you know, it's a younger team. There's not a ton of experience on the field, which is why when you get an SEC play, I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow. You know, usually you're you're relying on older guys to show you the way. But on this team, there aren't a lot of older guys that have SEC experience. Yes, you have RJ Shrek, who's absolutely killing it. But this is his first year in the SEC. You've got Carter Holton, who's looking, you know, like an absolute ace. Um, now he has SEC experience, but and and so does Futrell, and so does some of those back half bullpen guys. But in regards to pitching, you don't have a ton of guys that have a lot of SEC experience. When you go through that lineup, of course, you have Enrique Bradfield, who is my favorite player to watch in all of college baseball. He's got SEC experience, but as you go down that lineup, there are not a lot of other guys do. Right. Some of their highest performing guys right now have never played in the SEC before. You look at uh, Chris Maldonado, you look Mm -hmm. at RJ Shrek, you look at some of these guys, and and then you have Davis Diaz, right, who has SEC experience but has never had SEC success, who's all of a sudden one of the biggest parts of the team, absolutely killing it on offense, but debatably his defense has been better than his offense and he's hitting over 300. So it's just a combination of all that stuff. These guys are really putting it together and they're, they're so fun to watch. Brett, what happens? I mean, you talked about Davis Diaz there and, you know, I'm sure you went through uh, some rough patches there, right? When you started, you know, at Vanderbilt and and through sec play, but you figured it out, you know, you, 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 you learned from those experiences and it looks like Davis has really done that and fairly quickly because, you know, we, we talk about that freshman to sophomore jump. We've seen a lot of Vanderbilt players make it, but it's not as easy as we make it out to be. So from your experiences, making sort of that jump and those improvements, how, how tough can that be? Because Davis Diaz is a guy that, that has, it's, it feels like he has done that and, and then some. Yeah. You know, it's extremely hard because as a freshman, Davis Diaz was thrown into the fire and he played a ton as a freshman, had a really good start to the year. And then it just kind of, it, it got him. And that's the SEC, right? But what he did, which some players can't do is he said, okay, here are my, here are my problems. Here are my issues. This is what I need to get better at. He took a summer and he took a fall and he took an early spring and just got better in every aspect of, of his game. And that's why so far, you know, this is kind of funny, but he's my MVP on that team so far. Yeah. Because defensively, he is has been lights out. I mean, absolute gold glove at third base. Uh, and he's hitting in the middle of the lineup where you have Enrique Bradfield in front of you. You have RJ Shrek behind you. That's a huge spot. You have to yeah. set the table. You have to manipulate the bat. You got to put the ball in play. You have to know. When you're hitting, okay, Enrique's on base. Here are my holes. If I get a, a good pitch to hit and he gets a good jump, I have to be watching that. I need to take 
right? So you have to be smart. You got to play good defense. You got to hit well. He's doing all of those things. He's been absolutely one of my favorite players to watch on this team so far. I completely agree. I mean, I, I think he, in that two spot on in this lineup, you've got to produce and not saying you have to get up there and hit 330 or 340, but you know, you've got to produce in that spot. Um, let's talk about Chris Maldonado. He's a, a kid that has come in here and just lit up uh, this team. 382 batting average, four home runs, 17 RBIs. I mean, he's Nick Maldonado's brother. So, you know, a lot of us maybe aren't surprised, but the kid's a freshman. I mean, you know, you, you talked about him and RJ Austin. And I think those two guys, Maldo and RJ Austin, have been just as important as as a guy like Davis Diaz, who's more experienced. So, it just feels like these younger players have really gelled well with the older guys in this roster. And Rhett, as you know, that is that's crucial. I mean, that that has to happen, especially if you want to get to Omaha. Yeah. And they don't look like freshmen. They look like seniors. No. And it's it's just their approach has been so above their age. They're swinging at balls in the zone. They're not missing their pitches. Now, of course, we know that over the course of a season, you're not always locked in. And if you are locked in the whole season, you hit 360 and you're an SEC, you know, you're a first team all SEC. So just for them to get in the lineup this early, face this kind of competition and show that they can do it is going to help them forever because they'll always have the confidence of saying, I can play in this league, mm -hmm. knowing that I've done it. Look at here's my body of work. It's only been, you know, a couple of weeks, but I can play here. And that is something that nobody can ever take from them. So not only am I so impressed with them, but it helps everybody else in the lineup. So when you have RJ Austin and Chris Maldonado who are raking in the middle of that order, it helps RJ Shrek get good, good pitches to hit. Protects him, yeah. He, yes, it gives him protection. When, R, when RJ Shrek has protection, it helps Davis Diaz. When Davis Diaz is swinging the bat well, it helps Enrique Bradfield. And then the faster you can get Enrique Bradfield up, the more games you're going to win. So those guys having success in the five, six, seven hole, literally from four to seven has a huge impact on one, two, three. So then at the bottom of the lineup, you have a, uh, you have uh, Vastine who at the beginning of the year was hitting two hole, who yeah. is a two hole hitter hitting in the nine hole, right? You, you still have, and you have Parker Nolan who is leading the team in RBIs and hitting in the bottom of the order. Mm -hmm. everywhere you go in that lineup, you can get hurt. And that's something that reminds me of the 2015 or 2019 teams where you can't take a player off. You have to go at this Vanderbilt lineup and, and it wears on pitchers. And we're seeing that when Vandy's putting up 10, 15, 20 runs in, in some of these games. That's why it's hard to point out an X factor with this team right now. And, you know, I, I I say Davis Diaz, but a guy like RJ Shrek's hitting 346, seven bombs, 31 RBIs. I mean, the transfer from Duke, who, you know, I think I expected big things, but excuse me, I got this nasty cough, but I I expected big things, but I don't know that I expected quite this good of a start from him. So from a from a guy who, you know, you played under Corbin. You had to learn the expectations of Corbin and the expectations of this program. RJ Shrek had to learn those in who knows how long. I mean, six months. I mean, I, I don't, you know, he he transferred in from Duke as a grad transfer. So obviously he's an older kid. That probably helps. But for him, I mean, how how impressive is that to you that he came in here just like that as a as a grad transfer and just boom, fit fit right in. 
not easy to do because not only are you coming to a conference that in my opinion is better than the ACC, but you're coming into a culture you don't know. You're an older guy. You don't know any of these other any of these other guys, right? You have to come in here and all of a sudden they're throwing you in the three hole. So not only is it all new to you, the culture, the league, the players, right? When you're an older guy in the SEC, you see the same guys over and over and over again. You have a level of comfortability. So if you play against Florida as a sophomore, you know, as a junior, you're pretty much facing a lot of those same players. You know how they hit, you know how to play them on defense. You understand what their arm slots look like. You see them in the summer. You can see those players over and over. For RJ Shrek, he's coming into a new league. He's seeing guys for the first time, right? And he's hitting in the three hole behind an All-American hitting in the leadoff spot, right? And there's a lot of weight that gets put on you as a three-hole hitter because you're basically the premier guy in the lineup. Every mm-hmm. single team is going to come into a game with a pitch plan on you. And he has taken that and taken it to the moon. Like you said, hitting 350 with seven home runs. We're only, you know, halfway through the season. So he just, if he, if he keeps this up, he, he's, he's going to, uh, you know, put himself in the record books. Well, he's playing in Shrek's deck out there in right field. I mean, that that's that's your people out there. So how would you how how would you grade his defense so far, Rhett? His defense has been great. He's made some awesome plays. Um, I think that overall, everyone's defense has been has been really, really good. I've been uh very genuinely uh pleasantly surprised with uh Matthew Polk in left field. Mm-hmm. He's been playing a, a gold glove left field. Um of course, you have the best outfield uh, defender in in the country and who's ever played at Vanderbilt and center. So with RJ Shrek, that's really helpful knowing you right. have unbelievable center fielder because you don't have to cover as much ground. So RJ Shrek doesn't have to cover that gap as much, which allows him to cover more of the line. And he's been he's made some great plays on the line over the past couple of weeks. He's made some great plays on the wall. And just knowing you have a superstar in center, it allows you to play with more confidence. So overall, I would say that RJ Shrek could not have had a better start to the season than he's had. I know Connor Harrell is in center. Did, did he cover as much ground as Enrique? I know he was fast, but man, the, the ground Enrique has covered, it, it's, you see a ball hit, it's like, no way he gets to that and he makes it look easy. I mean, it, it's it's a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've played with some great center fielders when you go through Connor Harrell, uh, Brian Reynolds, I played with John Norwood, uh, Jaron Kendall, guys who could move, guys who were really, really good out there. I I don't think any of them were as good defensively uh, uh, as Enrique Bradfield. It's just you don't get guys like that very often. Um, I haven't seen guys like that who not only have really, really good instincts, really good first steps, explosive, fast, but also have a feeling for the wall. That's also right. something that's that goes um, – very, very much under the radar where you don't understand that unless you've played hundreds and thousands of innings in the outfield, like I have, and like a lot of other guys that I play with have, where when you see how he navigates around a wall, which is the hardest plays to make in the outfield are plays up against the wall on the wall. He's robbed more home runs than I've ever seen. um, And it's natural to him. Mm -hmm. So those are instinctual things that you can't always teach. And that's really, really rare to see. 
Red, I want to I want to get into. I know we we talk about culture all the time. I I love doing it with you because you have seen it at Vanderbilt and you've lived it. Um, last year, you know, they had a couple guys enter the portal and and uh, you know leave the program. A guy like Christian Little, a guy like Carter Young, and obviously they had guys um, you know leave for the draft. But do you recognize a sense of togetherness with this group? I mean, last year, you know, we watched it, we talked about it, and, and we said there, there's just something missing now. They didn't have the experience and uh, all the talent. I don't think was quite there as as Corbin is quite used to and fans are used to. But do you see that? I mean, I, I see a little bit more togetherness, a, a better cohesiveness with this group as opposed to last year. You're kind of sitting around saying, "Man, what's missing?" I mean, this team is talented, but I feel like something's missing. Yeah, and and sometimes with cultures, you have to make tough decisions. Sometimes you have to cut dead weight and you have to cut people who don't fit in the culture. And, you know, when you look at Corbin and Baxter and, and the recruiting process that happens over there, you're you're having to, to commit guys at a really young age. You're having to commit guys that aren't fully grown adults. You don't know what you're going to get. It's like when you go to the store and you buy a puppy. You don't know what it's going to be like when it grows into a dog, a, a full-grown you know, adult dog. You don't know what its demeanor is going to be. You don't know how it's going to act under pressure. And it's the same thing when you're committing eighth graders, ninth graders. These guys are 13, 14, 15 years old. It's such a far cry from where they're going to be at 18, 19, 20, 21, where you're going to develop so much as a young man. So sometimes when you have to recruit 10 to 15 guys a year, you're going to get guys that don't fit your culture. You might think they are, but you don't know until you put them under pressure. You see what they can deal with. You see what they can't. And what happens, and it has always happened at Vanderbilt, and it will always happen at, at schools like Vanderbilt, where there is an extremely high standard of what is expected from you at all times. And that's a standard to live by. And that's a standard that when you're done playing baseball is going to make you successful off the field. But the reality is it comes with a lot of accountability and it comes with a lot of responsibility. And guys who come into that culture don't always have that or don't want to have that. And for those guys, it's better to go their own way. It's better to find a program that better fits them. And it weeds those guys out. So sometimes when you have a culture, you have to get rid of those guys in order to enrich the culture and make it better for everybody else. And I think that's what Vanderbilt did a great job of doing following last season. And you're really seeing those results now. I saw a, a quote from Coach Corbin, and again, it, this is from a very good college head coach. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. It was from Next Level Baseball, and this good college coach said, Corbin actually told all the guys from his roster last year that they should go in the portal if they wanted NIL money because they would never do it at Vandy. He pushed guys out, got rid of the selfish people, awesome stuff, but definitely a unique place in this he said, shit show we have now in, in college baseball and in the NIL age. Again, I don't have confirmation of that, but that was from Twitter from Next Level Baseball, a pretty reputable source. Um, and and part, part of me believes that rep from, from Coach Corbin and, and, the, and the tight ship and the program that he runs. Speak on that a little bit about the NIL age and where Vanderbilt fits in that. I think we've talked about it before, but you know, for, for fans who haven't heard your stance on that and where Vanderbilt uh, is in that, uh, what, what, what would you say to that? And, and maybe some reaction to that quote? Yeah. You know, the NIL has and and transfer rules aside, we'll get there in a minute, but from an NIL standpoint, 
it's taken the innocence away from college athletics. Uh, it has created this, this system that is very similar to that of professional baseball, where schools can go out and buy players with cash. And, you know, college athletics is great because they're usually, there isn't that monetary involvement that is pulling people to different schools. Usually in the past, what has pulled kids to schools is culture. Literally, it's culture, it's fan base, it's the environments of, of some of these mm -hmm. schools. Now it's all monetary. And it's, hey, we'll pay you this to do a do an ad for so-and-so's car wash. And we'll pay you this to do an ad for the dry cleaners down the street, right? And they're paying these kids hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases, where not only is it destroying the innocence of college baseball and college athletics as a whole, but it's also creating the ability to add rifts in the locker room. And let's let's call this what it is, right? I've been in a lot of locker rooms in my life uh, professionally where you have guys in the locker next to you that have signed for $400, $500 for a pro contract and guys to my right and left that have signed for $5 million, $6 million. At that level, when you're in your early to mid-20s and, and late-20s, you can understand that. And, and that is something that you can play with because you're older, you're more mature. When you're in a college environment and you're on a meal plan and you are swiping and you're hungry and you're out of meal plans, but the guy next to you just signed a $400,000 NIL deal and he's buying cars and shoes and stupid stuff, that doesn't bode well for your team chemistry. It doesn't matter when you're older, but when you're 18, 17 years old, that's really hard to comprehend. And that can create a ton of animosity and jealousy inside of a locker room. So these guys, as, as, as you know, you could argue that it's good for them because they're able to make money before they're pro, but from a cultural standpoint, from a team chemistry standpoint, it absolutely does not help at all. And you've seen it in, in, in a bunch of situations. I mean, Obviously, LSU has done that. Uh, many other many other programs have done that around the country. Uh, but, Red, I think what you're getting at it in the culture part, I mean, we have seen it impact college athletics already. I mean, within locker rooms, and and we know it's going on. Um, so I, I just think it's interesting where Vanderbilt sits in that and, and the Corbin perspective of, you know, we're going to bring in guys that, that fit our culture, but we're also not going to go dive into the portal uh, and, and grab seven, eight guys to, to try to bolster our roster. Number one, they've got the talent there. They, they've, they've got the, the recruiting base and the young talent there. But you can also bring in a grad transfer like an R.J. Shrek, but that feels like almost the extent of it. Like if, if a guy like Shrek fits perfectly in this program, Vanderbilt will go get him. But if you have a, if you have a guy who may not fit, that's, that's a pretty quick no from their coaching staff, just like on the recruiting trail. I mean, they, they, they go see a guy out, out, you know, when it is high school in the middle of nowhere and they see one thing from him in terms of a, a bad character trait, that's a quick no. So you see that. And I think that's, I completely agree with where they are in, in the transfer portal and especially in the NIL age, because in college baseball, NIL, I feel like it, it, it does ruin a little bit of that, that purity. You know, because and especially college baseball. Now, basketball and football, I feel like that's more expected. 
But on the baseball side of things, man, I don't, I don't, I think that a lot of fans watch college baseball because of the purity and because of the, you know, just kind of the the swagger and just the drama that that these players play with. So, um, I I think if if NIL becomes a bigger part, that might hurt college baseball. I don't know if you if you would agree. Well, you know, in regards to the to the transfer portal, people don't understand the transfer portal is is an illusion because it was so rich with players after the COVID, right? It's I, it's not going to be that rich anymore. Yeah. We're we're phasing out of that, and a lot of these teams that have put tons of emphasis on the on transfers, you can't. You're not building anything. You're getting guys for one year. There's no you're value. Not actually, yeah. building a a team. So what happens to LSU after all these guys that they signed are gone? Right? Who who's behind them? Nobody's played. They haven't created any anything behind those guys. And I use LSU as, as an example because right. they loved the portal this past year. But Tennessee, look at Tennessee. They stink. They stink. <laughs> and they have used the portal a ton. There's <laughs> nothing underneath those guys. You have to build your cultures because what the portal is going to turn into after all the richness is gone is a couple good guys a year, and you're going to have all these teams fighting over six players. It's not going to be 600, and of those 600, 200 of them are really good. It's not going to be that anymore. And these teams that have focused so heavily on that are going to realize, okay, well, it's a one and done. Now what do we do? We thought the transfer portal, we were going to get the best players every single year. It's not going to be like that. You're going to get guys who are misfits, at other schools, you're going to get guys who lack toughness and I, I didn't play every day. Wah, I'm transferring. Those Are those the guys you want on your team? I If I'm coaching a, a major division one team, I don't want those guys. I want guys that come in, that learn, that play a little bit, that learn my culture, that buy into what we're trying to do. They wait their time. And then when they're in there, they appreciate it. They play well. They've seen guys before them play. And they understand what it's like to work hard for something. So all these teams that are diving into the portal, diving in, diving in, diving in, and building their rosters around the portal are going to be in for a rude awakening over the next couple of years. All right, Rhett, real quick, let's dive into uh, the series this weekend. Of course, we're we're recording this on Thursday morning. Uh, Vanderbilt plays tonight against Missouri game one, so this will be out Friday morning. So a game will, be, will have been played. But I want to ask you about uh, playing in – uh, a colder environment and uh, probably a windier environment in, in Columbia, Missouri, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for a team like Vanderbilt. Would you say they, they fit that, uh, that weather forecast or that mold of, okay, if it's cold ball might not be flying out of the yard as much uh, guys may not be as, as active or aggressive, you know, on, on, on the field on defense, does Vanderbilt's offense fit that to where they can play some small ball? They can run, they can get on base uh, because it feels like offensively they can beat you in a few different ways. Yeah. You know, when it comes to cold weather, I, this Vanderbilt team might as well be a team from the Northeast. Everyone thinks that Nashville, Tennessee is, is like Florida. It's not, it's freezing. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been beautiful here the past couple of weeks, which is uh, kind of an anomaly for what it usually is like at the beginning of the season in February and March. So this Vanderbilt team, people don't understand you're outside practicing 
and working and doing teamwork and training in November, December, and January, freezing, right? This team, they've been through it. It's not going to phase them at all. If anything, Corbin makes it a point to get out there on those days that are colder where he knows nobody else is outside just to get your mind ready for it, to get your mind in a place where you understand where you have to go when you're playing a game like this. I remember being outside and playing in some games at Vanderbilt and practicing on days when the football team would be working inside. And he Corbin used to take pride in that. He used to love that. Uh, so I know where this Vanderbilt team is toughness wise. It doesn't matter if it's 25 degrees or 95 degrees, they're going to be out there putting a good product on the field. I love it. Vanderbilt, Missouri this weekend, uh, Thursday game has already been played, but Friday, six o'clock, Saturday, two o'clock, uh, this would be their fourth straight sec sweep. It's crazy, crazy, Rhett. It's uh, we'll, we'll see if they can keep it rolling. It, it sure is. And, and, uh, you know, don't need a sweep, just need a series win. That's all it is. Don't want to get too greedy. Just got to win every series and and win the weekend and win the week. That's all that really matters. It's just kind of a cherry on top to have all these sweeps. Pretty, pretty unbelievable. Greedy. That's a buzzword with Vandy baseball people. I feel like we, we, uh, we do get a little too greedy sometimes. Yeah, but that's okay. It's all, it's all going in the right direction. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Rhett. All right, Billy. We'll talk to you soon.